The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Pastor Nelson, Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church. And this is our sermon for uh, May 31st. We've been going through the gospel. We're going through the letter from the uh, book of James called Street Level Faith. And today we're going to continue on in uh, chapter 3 as we look at street level faith. The big idea today is words may seem like small things, but they may have huge effects on all those around you. You may have heard the phrase, you know, you know, somebody says something and they go, well, I, I was just kidding. I, I didn't really mean it. You know, or the, 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 the platitude, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But sarcasm and jokes have been used for centuries. When someone gets called on their bullying, on their meanness, they claim the defense of just kidding. Words matter. Words always matter. I'm not talking about the insults two dudes give to each other when they're just goofing around. I'm talking about laughing at, criticizing, ridiculing others. That's the sin I am speaking about. In James 3, he gets down to the street level with some words about your words. So we're going to read today from James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, going down to verse 12. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature and able to control his whole body. Now, if we put bits into the horse, mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though they are very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how small a fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. Every kind, I lost my place. Every kind of bird, animal, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who were made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing comes out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does the spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. Let's pray. Lord God, just help us as we look at your words for a few minutes today. Help us as we look at your words and help us to apply it to our lives. 
Open our hearts, open our minds, open our attitudes, Lord, to your way of thinking, to your desires, or to your will, so that we can be your servants. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. James continues this letter, this letter of warning. He says, not everyone is to be a teacher. And in this context, teachers are congregational teachers. In today's language, we would say a preacher or a pastor. Being a teacher or a preacher does not make you a better Christian. Pastors are just normal Christians called by God and given extra responsibilities. Pastors are normal Christians called by God to live life under a new normal. For them and for their families. Pastors have all the same emotions as normal Christians. Pastors are saved by the same grace of God like every other Christian throughout history. Pastors are tempted by the same Satan that normal Christians are. Pastors are on the same path towards heaven that normal Christians are. Pastors are just in the spotlight, and everyone notices when they sin. Everyone notices when they fail at a task. They may get undue blame when thing, from failures, and they also can get undue praise when something succeeds. So pray for your pastors. Pray that God will guard their words. Pray that they will listen to God's word in the scriptures. Pray that they can persevere and be example to those around them. And if God calls you to be a preacher or a teacher, then accept it humbly and go forth boldly. He continues in verse 2. He says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able to control his whole body. Now James goes from just talking to the preachers and the teachers to talking to all of us. It says, we all. He's talking to the teacher and the listener. He's talking to the parent and the child. He's talking to the adult and the teenager. We all stumble with our words. I'm not talking about stuttering and stammering. I'm talking about sinning with our words. That is not any, but that just because we all sin is not an excuse to do nothing. But it is a call to action for all of us. Since we all fail with our words, then we must do something about it. Because if we can learn to control our words, it will show us, ourselves, and it will show others that we are maturing and getting nearer to perfection. You may think you're not far off. But James lets us know and lets you know that you have a long way to go. All of us do. And so today we're going to look at four illustrations showing how little words are huge in your life. The first illustration we see is that James shows us that your words steer your life. Your words steer your life. In the last part of verse 2, going through verse 4, James uses two word pictures about the tongue. Let's look at that. Verse 2, in the last part of verse 2, it says, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able to control his whole body. Now, if we put the bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. 
Though they are large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. My grandpa was a farmer, and he farmed with horses, not tractors. And so I got to spend a lot of time on the farm as a kid, and after my freshman year in high school, I spent the entire summer on my grandpa's farm. Now, when I was a kid, I was... Even as a freshman in high school, I was pretty small. In eighth grade, I wrestled the 75-pound weight class. In 10th grade, when I got my first driver's license, it said I was 95 pounds. So in ninth grade, I was somewhere between 75 and 95. I was probably in 80 pounds something. And I was barely five foot tall. But my grandpa had Belgian horses. Belgians, a full-grown Belgian, is around five foot eight at the shoulder. That's about how tall Pastor Darren is. And those horses weigh somewhere between 1,800 and 2,000 pounds each. They are some big, powerful horses. And here is little old 85-pound Nelson sitting on a cart, and I am steering and directing almost 4,000 pounds of horses just holding two leather straps called reins. Later that summer, I got to drive three of those horses at a time. And by the end of the summer, I drove a four-horse team pulling a cart that had a tractor motor on it that was pulling the hay baler, that was pulling the hay wagon. Little old 85-pound me, barely five foot tall, controlling four 2,000-pound horses, directing how fast they should go and which direction they should go, telling them when to start, telling them when to stop. That is the power of a bit and a bridle. That is the power of a tamed animal. That is what if those were wild horses, if those were Mustangs, even though they would be smaller horses, there is no way you could control them. There is no way you could put a bit and a halter on them. There is no way you could put a harness on them. And there is no way they would all work together, and there is no way they would listen to me. And so, Paul talk, or Paul, James, James is talking about here that a tame horse with a bit and a bridle can be controlled. That big, huge horse can be controlled with such a small piece. A, the bit is only you know, the width of my hand. It goes into the mouth of the horse. That's it. The same with a rudder in a ship. Compared to the size of the ship, it's small. And we can control those things. But yet our tongue, our words that we speak, is what controls us. Our words control us. This passage keeps saying your tongue. It's not talking about that muscle that's in your mouth. You know, yeah. It's not talking about, it's talking about your brain that controls the words that your tongue enunciates. Sometimes your tongue works through the keyboard on your computer or on your device. That is your tongue also. Sometimes your Yet your tongue steers your whole life. A bitter tongue steers you to loneliness and away from friendships. A foul-mouthed tongue can get you fired from your job. A flattering tongue may seem to get you places for a time. 
but in the end it will fail you. A wise tongue can keep you out of trouble. A comforting tongue will build others up. Whether you can... Whether you compare your tongue to a horse's bit and bridle or to a ship's rudder, your words steer your life and where you will go. The second illustration that shows how your little words can have huge impacts in your life is that your words can bring disaster to those around you. Look at verse 5 and 6. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. The tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body and sets the course of life on fire and in itself set on fire by hell. Not only can words steer your life and affect it, affect your own life, your words affect others. Smokey the Bear says, only you can prevent forest fires or wildfires. Why? It's true that some wildfires are begin with lightning from a storm, but most, most wildfires are started by human actions. A campfire that's not properly put out. A cigarette butt thrown from a car window. These small, insignificant actions can burn thousands of acres of land, killing thousands of animals and burning people's homes with all their belongings inside. The intention of the camper or the cigarette butt thrower was not to cause harm, but in the wrong conditions... Their actions cause great harm to many other people. You're, in verse 6, it says your tongue is a fire. It says not like a fire. It is a fire. The first verse is it said it was like a bit and bridle. It was like a rudder. But here it is a fire. It causes destruction. A fire when controlled and in the right conditions brings light, it brings warmth to yourself and to others. But an uncontrolled fire brings destruction. You probably have a controlled fire in your house, in your home. We call it a pilot light. It may be on your furnace or on your water heater. That pilot light ignites a larger fire to heat the air or the water inside your home. But both are contained and both are controlled. But when electrical wire short circuits uncontrollably and sparks inside your wall, your house may burn to the ground with everything in it. So it is with your words. Your uncontrolled words in the wrong situation causes death and destruction to those around you. Sometimes it burns you too. The platitude, the saying, but words will never hurt me, may be a good platitude at times. But words can burn worse than taking a pan out of a hot oven without oven mitts. Your words can harm others worse than a World War II flamethrower. Your words can bring disaster on those around you. 
The third illustration that shows how little words are huge in your life is that your words must be tamed by God. Your words must be tamed by God. Look at verses 7 and 8. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Your tongue is now compared to wild animals. Generally speaking, wild animals do not help each other. They eat each other. They steal from each other. They hide from each other. None of those are traits of the Christian. We are to fellowship with one another, not hide. We are to share, not to steal. We are to feed others, not eat them. But a wild animal cannot help itself. They are acting on instinct and survival. However, you are a child of God. You have been bought with the price. God has rounded you up and placed you in his herd. You belong to the good shepherd now. But how does a wild animal get tamed? Does a wild animal tame itself? No. With the horses that I'm talking about my grandpa's farm, if you get a wild horse or a young horse, they must be tamed. They must be broken. That's what the whole thing about a rodeo is about, is how they tamed horses in the past. You need a master trainer to come in and break the spirit of that animal. Wild animals' natures must be broken and tamed in order to become useful to his master. Those horses my grandpa owned would have been useless if they were not tame and trained. They would have destroyed the barn. They would have destroyed the equipment. And they would have done no work. It... The wild animal must be tamed so it, must, so it can submit to the master's will. Your tongue is said to be a wild animal. It must be tamed, but you cannot tame it yourself. You must submit your tongue and your words to the will of the master, the good shepherd, to God the Father. Your will must be broken and replaced by the master's will. Your words must be replaced by God's words. Instead of words of cursing and blame and lashing out, you need words that heal, words that build up, words that are kind and comforting. Your tongue must be guided by the Holy Spirit and not to your own wild and sinful spirit. Your words must be tamed by God. The final illustration that shows how little words are huge in your life is this. All your words must be healthy all the time in all circumstances. Look at verses 9 through 12. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who were made in God's likeness. 
Blessings and cursing come out of the same mouth, my brothers and sisters. These things should not be this way. Does a spring pour forth sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. As a Christian, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, as adopted child of God the Father, you are to live for Christ 24-7. Salvation is eternal. This world is temporary. Living for Christ is not just for Sunday morning. You are to live for Christ when you are tired and cranky and have a headache. Your words should reflect that. You must live your... Live for Christ when your child refuses to obey, and your words should reflect that. You must live for Christ when all your co-workers are laughing at another Christian who refuses to cuss like they do, and your words should reflect that. You must live for Christ when you are alone in your car and stuck in a traffic jam, and your words should reflect that. Your words must honor God. When the other customer in the store gives you a nasty look for wearing or maybe not wearing a mask today. Your words must honor God when your boss cusses you out because he was just cussed out by his boss. And your words should reflect that. Your words must honor God when your spouse fails you. A saltwater spring and a freshwater spring. You can't have both out of the same fountain. Jesus clarifies this when he is talking. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10 and following, he says, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of your mouth. This defiles a person. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person. Your words can defile you. They matter. If you speak kindly to, to a person while listening for words that you can use against them at work, then you are not speaking kindly to them, no matter what your tone of voice is. You, your well, is defiled. If you never utter a full lie, but you speak half-truths to make yourself look better, then you are lying and deceiving others, and you are producing bitter waters. All your words must be healthy, all the time, in all circumstances, no matter how you feel. Words may seem like small things, but they can have a huge effect on all those around you. James is calling you to live what you believe. James is calling you to be tamed by the eternal master, Jesus Christ. James is calling you to live like you have been adopted by God the Father. 
James is calling you to depend on the Holy Spirit to change the words you speak to yourself and to others. James is calling you to change your life. And he's saying here, it begins with words. Earlier in the book of James, we said, James said that, um, that his works will show his faith. Well, one of your works is your words. Do your words show that you have faith in God? Do your words show that you truly believe that Jesus is your Savior? All the time, every day, in every circumstance. No matter what the other person just said to you. No matter what the other person just did to you. Do your words reflect your faith in God? Because your words have huge consequences on everybody around you. Let us pray. God, I thank you for your words. We thank you for your scriptures in the book of James. We thank you for all that you provide. Give us the strength to tame our tongues. Help us to turn to you with our wild and unruly tongues. Help us to submit to your will so that you can steer us in the direction that we should go. Because you are our source of life. You are our source of hope. We pray all this in the wonderful and salvific name of Jesus Christ. Amen.